Okay, welcome back to Crucial Tech. And uh, this week uh, we are going to be doing a three-parter because it's going to be a little bit longer. There's a lot of stuff happening in the world around tech. And so I wanted to maybe break down some of the major news, uh, do a uh, breaking story that uh, could concern you if you have a Linux-type machine, and then get into the issue of standards in the area of digital security. But first, let's talk about the, the, the headlines of the past couple of weeks, uh, since the last time I talked to you guys. Uh, Apple is introducing two new features that are going to be kind of important to us. Number one, they're adding a sign-on service, similar to what uh, Facebook and Google does, where you can use your uh, Google or, or Facebook account to actually uh, sign on to uh, different applications and websites and things like this, so you don't have to remember the, the password over and over again. Uh, but Apple's going to be getting into this as well, uh, which is interesting because Google and Facebook not only take that information when you are uh, when you use them as your sign-on service, and they're collecting that data on you, uh, so that they know where you're going, how much you're, what you're using there, uh, whether you're buying products and that sort of thing. Uh, so that's kind of a, a janky way of doing it. I use those services as well, but I, I'm kind of uh, limited as to who I use them for. Apple, on the other hand, is not going to be collecting data at all. They're essentially going to be just an ID. Uh, and they're not going to be following you uh, where you're going around. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. That's coming out of the next uh, release, uh, coming in the, probably around September. The other thing I'm kind of excited about is the call blocking service on the iPhone that will be coming out in the next uh, iOS, uh, which will block any phone number that is not in your address book. Uh, this is kind of cool, but it'll also make you also have to make sure that you keep your address book up to date, because otherwise you'll be blocking. You may be blocking calls from people that you want to get, but it'll go directly to uh, voicemail. And uh, if that the person you want to talk to uh, or, or is somebody you want to talk to, then you'll be able to add them to your, uh, your, your, your white list, as it were. But this is, this is not just one of these things where you're going to get a, a couple of rings and then, and then it'll go away. This will actually block the entire call, so it'll, ha like it'll never happen until you check your voicemail. Uh, lots of security companies are in the process of consolidating, um, like a CrowdState, uh, excuse me, CrowdStrike is uh, going to be going for an IPO pretty soon. Uh, Elastic uh, has purchased Endgame for $234 million. Don't you wish you had a company that would be, sell for $234 million? Uh, Cisco, Palo Alto Networks, uh, FreeX, Imperma uh, uh, are all buying companies. Uh, and the reason all this is happening is uh, people are, uh, these companies are actually afraid of a recession that is probably going to be happening sometime this year or early next year, uh, which will uh, cause a lot of concern. And so what they want to make sure is that they have the financial resources to last and uh, have eliminated as much competition as they possibly can. Google is fixing a backdoor to newer Android phones, but don't worry too much about it unless you're a listener in China, because the backdoor exists in the Android phones that are being manufactured and sold in China. Uh, 
they're working on fixing the problem, but it hasn't been done yet. So if you bought a phone in China recently that is an Android phone, uh, you might want to check out that story and see if you are affected. Uh, there are a lot of calls now for uh, regulation for IoT devices. IoT is Internet of Things. Uh, that could be your your uh, your uh, tablets, your iPhones, uh, anything that connects to the Internet, including your Alexa. Uh, they're getting calls for regulating uh, these products, and the calls for regulation are not coming from legislators, they're coming from actually the companies that manufacture them uh, because there are too many holes, security holes in these devices and they want uh, companies to start making a commitment to design their products to consider uh, denial of service attacks that are going all over the place in the IoT world. Uh, you maybe have heard of what's going on in Baltimore. They, uh, the city of Baltimore, actually uh, had a ransomware attack uh, that's been going on for a month, and they finally re uh, resolved it. But heads are rolling because the response was not good. In case you don't know what a ransomware attack is, it's a fairly low-tech thing where uh, you open up an email that you don't know who it came from. It releases a virus into your system that gives uh, the a miscreant access to your system and they can actually put a block on everything you've got and wipe out your hard drives unless you pay them a, uh, a ransom. Um, usually the ransoms aren't all that much, but uh, they are, the miscreants are actually looking at uh, government thing, uh, organizations, healthcare organizations that are still using legacy systems like you know, Windows systems. Uh, and locking them down until they get paid. A real simple way of dealing with this is just to air gap your backups so that when you back something up, you disconnect the, it from the internet. And if you this happens, then you can just go back a couple of backups and restore systems. You may lose some data, but not a whole lot. Uh, and I'm sure that's what Baltimore is gonna be looking at pretty soon. Uh, finally, there are some uh, Windows uh, patches that are vulnerable to secondary attacks. So uh, you might want to take a look at, uh, for that story as well. Um, that's one of the problems with uh, the, the, patch, the security patches because quite often they serve as a Trojan horse uh, for other viruses and as soon as that, that patch is activated, it will activate the, uh, the new virus that has been hidden. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of that with our part two, but right now we're going to back off for a uh, word from our sponsors. Okay, part two. Um, there has been a, a pretty major attack vector identified in uh, Linux machines. Uh, Linux could be anything from a pure Linux system or uh, it could even be an iOS system, could be a Chromebook. Uh, you shouldn't be too worried about it, but let me get into it. The security research firm NTeaser has reported this major attack vector in Linux machines that allows a malefactor to take control of that machine and the network connected to it. What makes this, uh, this unusual is that this discovery was in the wild, as they put it. Let me explain. Most security companies like NTeaser practice an acceptable form of extortion where they purposely 
uh, look for security flaws in current technology. Then they report the flaw to the companies producing that flawed tech, and they offer to fix it uh, for a price. They tell the potential customer that if they don't do business with them, then the researchers will flood uh, the market with their findings, uh, which is kind of like sales generation and marketing all at once. Uh, I get these press releases about these discoveries all the time and report only on the most egregious. Most of the time, however, no one knows that the flaw has been exploited. This one is different. When a security company calls it in the wild, that means that the security flaw has already been exploited and there may be nothing the user or the producer of the product can do about it after the fact. I have no hard evidence on this, but I suspect that the amount of in the wild attack vectors are higher than the number of discovered flaws. One clue is how widely varied cybersecurity companies state the size of the problem. Some identify less than 50 different kinds of attacks that they can identify, and some more than 500. Another is how confident they are about the protection they provide based on the uh, about how they degrade a network speed once their, uh, their uh, security solution is put into place. For example, one company's uh, projection uh, will reduce a network speed rated at 10 gigabits per second to 5 gigabits per second and rate uh, their protection at 97%. But if the speed is higher than that, then they, uh, that they, then they report that the network is less secure, even if the testing shows that they are stopping more potential attacks. In other words, the closer your network is to its rated speed, the less secure it is. So why invest on high-speed networks, right? Anyway, uh, let's go back to the flaw in the, uh, in the Linux uh, that Inteaser has uh, dubbed Hidden Wasp. It's a pretty good name. Uh, the attack vector focuses on the devices that have already been compromised. Once an original vector has been neutralized, the user can get a false feeling of accomplishment for taking care of the problem. That's when Hidden Wasp can be activated to take control of the device and the networks on. it is on. Uh, the Inteaser News release said, unlike common Linux malware, Hidden Wasp is not focused on crypto mining or DDoS activity. DDoS is a, a denial of service. It's when you, you actually flood a network with uh, requests and and insight and and data uh, and makes it make it break down. Uh, it's uh, their their uh, Inteaser said that this is a uh, it is a Trojan purely used for targeted remote control. Now, as I say, it's targeted. They actually know who they want to go after. They know they have that machine and they want to and they're waiting for them to activate hidden wasp on their machine. Now, machines that affected are not just Linux pure system. Any OS with a Linux kernel may be vulnerable. Um, so that could be an iOS, which has a Linux kernel. It could be uh, the, the Chrome browser, which has a Linux kernel. All of these things have, uh, there are so many products out there that have Linux kernels that you could be hitting on just about anything. To check to see if your uh, device has been affected, I suggest you go to Inteaser, I-N-T-E-Z-E-R dot com and search for Hidden Wasp. And there's instructions on what to look for near the end of their news release on this. Uh, 
like I said, you may or may not be affected, but it should go take a look at it. Uh, targeted remote control is becoming a more popular attack in the IoT world, especially on Linux systems. If you take control of an individual device of a person with access to sensitive information, you can do a lot of damage. That's why this particular effort is more likely the product of a nation state for both governmental and industrial espionage. Since Intezer found the code on multiple sites hosted by Think Dream Technology Limited in Hong Kong, we might be able to deduce who's behind this. I did a quick look and found a number of uh, sadomasochist uh, porn sites hosted on Think Dream. And so if you've been infected, well, shame on you. <laughs> well, let's focus a bit on why Linux machines have been attacked. Linux is famously open source, and open source is supposed to be more secure because you can look at the source code. Uh, a, a, a proprietary operating system like Windows is essentially a black box, and only people with specific uh, uh, approvals can get into them. But Linux is open. It's, everybody can work with it. So you, you can look at the source code and supposedly find malicious code uh, easily. But the success of Linux over the past couple of decades has made it more vulnerable, according to Axel Kloff, CTO and founder of security processor company Auto Corporation. Uh, Linux, he said, has become a, such a massive kludge of code and patches that it's relatively easy to drop in well-written malware. Security analysts can be looking directly at it for years and will never see it, he said. This is, and this is where artificial intelligence will play such an important role in digital security now and in the foreseeable future. Even if an AI can't find uh, malware like Hidden Wasp, it frees up human intelligence for looking for anomalies like this. Eventually, an AI can flag suspicious code and isolate it for evaluation. We're close to seeing that on the tech, uh, that tech on the market soon, according to Axel, uh, but it's still years away from general availability. Okay, here we go with part three. Uh, this is going to be an interview with Dr. Gil Bernabeau, uh, who is uh, an executive at a standards organization called Global Platform. Now, let me explain something about standards platforms. Uh, they're they're rife through the semiconductor industry. There are all kinds of standards for all kinds of things. Global Platforms is specifically dedicated to security uh, standards within semiconductors. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the standards are the best that, uh, uh, that you can come up with. They form a baseline for the minimum that you should do uh, to be considered uh, an industry standard. Uh, lots of companies base their technology starting on the standard and then add to it. And the, the goal is to be better than the standard itself. Um, that doesn't mean all companies belong to these standards or follow them. Um, the larger the company, the less likely they are going to be involved in a standard because they may consider that to be a way to uh, hold them back from developing new technology, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But first, let's get into this interview with Gil, uh, because it's very interesting. They've been around for quite a while, since uh, actually 1999 uh, they've been around. Uh, so they first started taking a look into the area of smart cards, or the SIM chips that we have in our credit cards. 
and uh, it's essentially everything every credit card you've got that's got a, that's a smart card that's got the SIM chip in it has been developed on this platform uh, developed by uh, global platforms and so it's, it's all throughout the banking industry uh, now they're moving into the air, uh, new areas and uh, Gil could you give me a little bit more information about what direction you're going in uh, we have been evolving to the mobile because more you know mobile has been uh, uh, using contactless and so all the people were looking for GP so currently we claim to have 100% of the secure element that are sold inside the devices. So I don't know which smartphone you are using, but uh, as soon as you are using a premium smartphone, uh, you have a secure element from mobile platform inside that is used to protect, again, banking application, ID application, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So uh, essentially, you guys are in everything. We try to, yes. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Now, I, I don't mean this to be insulting, but since 1999, the problem of digital security has only gotten worse. So, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, have you done any good? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, like I said, I don't mean this to be insulting, but it, it doesn't seem to be getting better. So, <clears throat> I think we need to split the IoT wave, which is in front of us, and the mobile wave. Okay. If you look the mobile wave, uh, we have also another technology that has been created uh, six, seven years ago, which is a trusted execution environment that doesn't need a specific uh, chipset to be able to host application, and it's using the main chip of the devices. Right. On this technology... Currently, there is 1 billion of new objects with CEE every quarter. So it's difficult to say that we are not doing anything or we don't have results because in one end, the secure element is widely deployed. We are talking about uh, right, let, billions let, of objects. Let, let me interrupt you here for and, a second. I'm not necessarily saying yes. that you're not doing any good, but the fact of the matter is is that companies like Intel, AMD, um, Apple, they they are producing yes. technologies that are inherently insecure and and were never de yes. designed to be secure so so again if if let's take one example you say apple apple today they are using the embedded secure element to manage all the critical uh, banking application so in each and every iphone you have a secure element from global platform and this is very secure so i'm not talking about the mac and the macbook Mm -hmm. But if you are looking again on the mobile world, uh, the the iPhone architecture is quite secure, even though, of course, you uh, always be able to do something better. If you take AMD, again, not the AMD chips inside the computing, because this is another world that uh, Global Platform is not... Uh, uh, but if you are taking the AMD chips used in Gateway, they are embedding a TEE, AMD is member of uh, Global Platform, and Apple is member of Global Platform. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, depending of how you are looking the com connected world, yes, today uh, we are not very, very uh, deployed in the PC computing, because this is mainly uh, Intel and uh, Microsoft. 
and they are not yet part of the, the ecosystem. But for AMD on the on the on the, at least the devices in the Fox devices or Edge devices from AMD, uh, Apple is using that for uh, for the mobile phone. And what what we are looking today. Again, we are not looking for the PC industry that most of the people consider that it's all technology that will be very difficult to be secured because of all the decision. But in IoT today, we have launched a new initiative that we call the device trust architecture, typically to answer to your point, because in IoT, you have very various uh, use cases and of course the price market so it's not possible to answer to only one solution. So today we have already two solutions, the secure element and the trusted detection environment. We are uh, investing now on more uh, microcontroller type of solutions to be able to secure that. We are uh, investing about how to do secure boot and uh, and uh, and the uh, root of trust inside the IoT devices to provide new tools that are not covering the full stack that we may offer today, but that are providing very uh, easy to understand and easy to integrate features to better protect IoT devices. Okay, so that's that's what you're putting out today or now. Uh, how how soon will it be before we can see that implemented? So this depends. You, you mean in IoT or in IoT you mean, right? Yes. So in IoT, uh, there is a lot of initiatives uh, that are ongoing today. And for me, there is too many initiatives in parallel. So device manufacturers today are waiting a little that uh, this will be clarified. But if you take what is happening in Europe today with the Cyber Act, uh, as soon the cyber hack will say for, as an example, for uh, healthcare devices, uh, let's say a pacemaker, uh, you must be certified and you must gain this kind of, uh, uh, we'll say, security certification. This will go very quickly. Today, there is no value to be secure because people are buying connected objects and the price is the first uh, decision of uh, purchase. But as soon there will be either some big issues in the market that people will try to uh, be scared by buying a cheap product either because of the regulation very quickly things will be more uh, happy for for I would say for the industry and for the for, for the security uh, I'm not saying that uh, it's a good uh, I would say, uh, action for us to wait that things are is happening. This way, we are investing a lot in terms of device manufacturer training and explanation to say that, yes, it's possible. Yes, you have root of trust. Yes, secure boot is possible. Yes, you can store the keys on a very protected environment. So we are doing that, of course. And typically, uh, we will be in China, in Shenzhen, to try to reach device manufacturer to say that you have some solution and that are available. So this is the effort we are doing to make it happen more quickly. But uh, yes, we need today some kind of market understanding and market uh, change. So uh, end users are not buying the cheapest product, but the more secure product. Okay. 
Uh, and how do we do that? I mean, I, I, well, I, let me go back to the original question. We, we haven't done it yet. Uh, you, you're bringing it out now. How how long did it take to get the the mobile uh, technology up to, up to speed from the time when you guys be, began to when you felt you you had uh, market penetration? So today, in terms of security for the mobile industry, again, uh, in all the premium phone, we have that. And uh, again, either a secure element or trusted execution environment, we are talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions every year. So it's here for the mobile. Uh, it's going to go to the cheap uh, mobile because today we were on the premium uh, phone and slowly by slowly the technology, because, you know, in... In the computing, uh, the the volume of production it's a price, right? So this go and the production is growing. So we are now reaching a smartphone uh, that have uh, I don't know uh, maybe a hundred uh, dollar of uh, price point okay. uh, for the consumer. So for the mobile, for us, I would say it's done, and people are know our technology and they are using the technology, and the things are going better and better. For IoT, again, this is a little more complex, uh, but uh, there is, uh, again, a big uh, issue in the market. There is uh, people that are investing with big brands, and today uh, they don't want to have any issue. So I suppose that within the next two, three years, uh, we will have more secure solution. Uh, Again, um, we understand that we don't have maybe all the solutions in terms of price, in terms of answer to the market. Typically, uh, a sensor uh, that it's uh, with the end price at $1, it's today we may not have a good solution uh, to be able to protect the sensor. But as soon we are reaching $10 or more than $10 for the end price, uh, we have good solution. The issue today is not to have the good solution, it's more to train the device manufacturer. Uh, and again, this is what we try to do with the device trust architecture. Device manufacturers today are in between big guys, such as uh, Azure, Alibaba, that are forcing them to support a specific architecture and the price of production that is related to volume. So we try to solve this uh, equation, how I can answer to uh, security requirement of uh, the big IoT players, uh, but not as one architecture of my device for uh, Microsoft, one for uh, Oracle, one for Alibaba, one for Baidu, one for uh, Amazon. So this is what we try to do with device trust architecture to have something which is very generic. So the big IoT actor are able to rely on and the device manufacturer will be able to have something which is similar, uh, whatever the IoT context that the object will be used. Okay. So I notice you have got um, something called uh, the Global Platform Certifications. How can, let's say I want to go out and buy an IoT device and I want to make sure that it is been certified through Global Platform. How do I find that out? So today, uh, what we do on uh, our certification, it's more to focus on the secure component, so the SE or the TEE. 
So typically, if you want to have a product which is certified by EMVCO, your product must be uh, validated uh, uh, functionally by Global Platform first, and then you go to EMVCO. We have similar, uh, you know that there is a new technology pushed by uh, uh, GSMA, which is remote, remote subscription provisioning, RSP, which allows uh, uh, to download the profile and the uh, credential for connecting to the GSM network. This technology is tested by Global Platform because it's based on Global Platform technology. So today, if you go to our website, we have a lot of products that are uh, currently functionally certified by Global Platform because this is the basis of the technology for other uh, use cases. Well, it would, it for would the security, me, well, it would seem to me that your members would would believe that your certification would be an important issue in their own marketing so that they could say, hey, we've been certified by Global Platform and these guys over here haven't. Uh, why aren't they doing that? Because today, uh, again, Global Platform, it's, it's a platform <laughs> and it's more cool for a marketing perspective to say that I'm certified by Visa or I'm certified by MasterCard, or I'm certified to uh, to be part of the project for uh, AT&T. So the marketing uh, effort of the product vendor are more based on the use case, the final use case, that are all the technology that you must have to uh, reach this uh, use case. So we are facing the fact that we are the technology used by many use cases, but today it's more cool to say that uh, I have a stamp from Visa, from Mastercard, and I have a stamp from GP. In the market of the banking, everybody understands that if you reach Visa, it's because you got the GP stamp before. Well, yeah. it's clear that outside I, the market I, I, is I, not. Uh, I, I I appreciate your humility on this, but considering how many uh, data uh, breaches have happened with things like Visa and Mastercard. I wouldn't be that impressed if they said they'd certify it. I'd be more impressed if there was an organization out there that was independent of Visa, MasterCard, and whatever, uh, and saying, "Yeah, this has been certified by by us." Uh, I and I think I, I can speak for many, many people in the world who say we don't trust Visa. Uh, so I'm not sure that is a good thing. Um, that, so, that's, that's pretty much when, where, I, where, I, where I see it. I, I think if you guys are actually providing a, a, a valuable certification program that the common uh, consumer should know that. And at the, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, this is the first I've ever heard of this organization was when I got that email from Chloe. Um, that, that, that kind of concerns me that your kind of services are out there and the general public doesn't know it. So I'm going to help with that. Uh, but uh, I, I would think that you guys need to be marketing yourselves more aggressively. Yes. So maybe to clarify, uh, um, we are on the edge and typically for Visa and MasterCard, we have on all the secure elements that are embedded inside a smart card, a, a wearable or mobile phone. There are no attack on the subject because they are providing a high level of security. So when you are saying that Visa has been hacked, 
is not the edge part, it's the cloud part. And today, Global Platform is not working on the cloud part. Okay. But today, we are no attack on the edge part, on the uh, card. I would say I should not say no, because of course there is. But the attacks on the smart card uh, today, technology for Visa, it's very, very, very difficult. You must have one year and big equipment and extra, and this will never happen in the field. So you are not aware of any attacks on your credit card that you are on the pocket. You don't have any knowledge of attacks on your SIM card that you have on your smartphone because this is the same technology, again, using GP. So, yes, there is this big trend that are more on the cloud, but GP today, it's an environment where we are providing very high level of security, uh, temper-resistant protection for the SE. For the TEE, today, uh, you have some uh, application that are typically, you know the Knox offer from Samsung? Yes. So Knox is based on global platform TEE, Trusted Execution Environment. Haven't you heard any problem on the Knox act, uh, uh, services? Today, no, because if you are inside a device and you have the Knox protected by the TEE services that are more complex to attack and other, plenty of other services that are easy to attack, hackers are always looking for the best, you know, uh, <laughs> ROI. And they are not attacking Knox. So today there is no uh, attack on the on the Knox on the TEE. So also here, uh, we are providing the right level of security compared to specific services and extra. And this is what we want to do on on IoT. This is why today uh, most of the big issues are more on the on the cloud on the uh, denial of services. Um, but not on the technology that we are using. Okay, so let's go back to the I O uh, to launching this I O T initiative. Um, are are you are you getting any any pushback from uh, vendors uh, to adopt this these uh, th this platform? So uh, yes, it's it's not more in IoT than in other market, but yes, uh, in one hand, people want to have their proprietary solution to be become the king of the universe. And of course, standardization uh, uh, helps to grow the market, but the differentiation is more uh, complex. So today in IoT, we arrive with some solutions and we face exactly the same issue that we face again, uh, 20 years ago on the smart card, uh, 10 years ago on the T. This is, I will say, something very usual. People need to decide, uh, do we want to have a big market uh, standardized or do we want to have our product with our uh, solution? Uh, inside the global platform today, people understand that uh, it's very difficult to target the thousands and thousands and thousands of device manufacturers in China creating plenty of uh, uh, connected objects. Uh, both Alibaba, Baidu join global platform because they understand that even if they are Chinese actors, it's very difficult to drive the market and to be able to provide a good support for all those guys because you need to train extra. So they are moving towards uh, global platform architecture. And we, I hope that we will be able to have, uh, thanks to our new initiative, newcomer, uh, more from the Western world, uh, that will have exactly the same uh, analysis. It's very difficult to push a specific uh, onboarding of the device, a secure onboarding of the device. It's very difficult to update 
any kind of object created on any kind of architecture. And it's also very difficult to promote your own architecture because people will say that, okay, this is your architecture, it's maybe very, very secure. But if I need to modify my product to support your architecture, you need to pay the, the cost. So if you have one product, uh, one uh, Alexa speaker, it's okay. If you want tomorrow to have 10 device manufacturers that create Alexa devices, you will not be able to support 10 devices. So I suppose that now is what we are seeing. More people understand that uh, proprietary solutions are good. But for the security, for the certification, how to manage the key, how to update the device, it's very, uh, we'll say, basic technology, and there is, it's very difficult to promote a specific architecture uh, in the market. Okay. Uh, well, I think I've got a pretty good idea of what it is you're doing and the difficulties you've got. Uh, thank you for what you are doing. Uh, I mean, we don't have a very secure world with a digital uh, in our digital products. Uh, so everything that anyone can do is greatly. Okay, so that was Gil Bernabeau of Global Platforms. Uh, very interesting area uh, that we should be concerned about. Why? Because these standards affect all of us. Um, and as I pointed out earlier, not every company belongs to a standard program like this. Um, in this case, uh, companies like AMD, Arm, Infineon, Apple, Ericsson, uh, even Huawei, uh, NXP, Qualcomm, ST Micro, some of the biggest companies in the world are part of this. Uh, what concerns me, though, is that when it comes down to the semiconductors themselves, the p pieces that go into our, our materials, uh, the biggest players aren't there. Intel's not a member. NVIDIA, Micron, On, Samsung, Broadcom, Toshiba, Texas Instruments, TSMC, Google are not part of the standards effort. In fact, eight of the top 10 semiconductor companies in the world do not support this particular platform. And that's not good. Uh, we need to, as customers, start requiring this sort of thing. And if we go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, I was making the mention how some companies are coming out and saying, hey, uh, to the, our legislatures, uh, we need to do something about this. We need to have some sort of enforcement within the manufacturing community to actually make this happen. So it's not the fault of global platforms. It's not everybody's involved. It's the fault of those companies that are ignoring it. And they need to do better. They need to do better now. Uh, so that's the end of this particular Sorry, it's taken uh, longer than normal. Uh, trying to usually keep it short, but we had a lot to cover here today. If you're interested in supporting this program, uh, there is a button on anchor.fm where you can go ahead and make a donation. Otherwise, check out some of our sponsors. This has been Lou Covey with Crucial Tech. This is a Footwashing Media production. This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about the technology that affects us all, but few of us understand, presented in a format that can give you some basic understanding in the time it takes to drive to the grocery store. 
I'm Lou Covey, an independent journalist who's been writing about various technologies ranging from renewable energy to digital security for more than 40 years. I probably know more about it than you do, and if I don't, I will introduce you to those who do.